Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Getting on Top. I'm your host, Paul Morris. We had a little bit of a hiatus there, about a year, but we're back again. And uh, we're going to be talking about raising children, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I have back again Penny Cohn, who's been uh, a guest many times. And as usual, we're broadcasting from the southern Hudson Valley region of New York State, which is the northern suburbs of New York City, my hometown. And Penny is also a uh, born and raised in New York. And today we're going to talk about uh, children. While there can never be any guaranteed outcome, especially when it comes to raising children, always considered one of life's most challenging responsibilities. By learning some valuable insights, a parent could certainly give him or herself some advantages as opposed to just learning by trial and error or just limiting themselves to doing what their parents did. In addition, we hope to add some interesting and perhaps even entertaining anecdotes from uh, our many combined years my guest and I have had uh, spending our time uh, doing our part, raising our families, and even some experiences with our grandchildren. Uh, welcome, Penny. How are you? Hello. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, here? so yeah, I'm here. It sounds you like you cut off for a minute. Okay, but you get you can hear me all right now. Now it's okay. You hear me? Okay. All right, so, you know, let's start off with a couple of interesting little things before we get into anything, you know, heavy. Uh, I would say I would ask you, I'll start off, you know, saying the things that uh, were interesting about raising kids and what was expected and unexpected. Um, I guess what you would say I didn't expect, even though, I was raised in a household of four boys. I'm the youngest. And we're all somewhat different. How different. I have a son and a daughter. I believe you do as well. How different they they were. <laughs> and how, uh, you know, how they could clash between the two of them. So it was a little bit of a surprise. And what about your, uh, what would you say was kind of surprising for you, having your well, I had a boy and a girl, and they, too, were very different personalities. And, you know, you do treat each one differently. But, you know, as you bring up this topic, it actually comes from um, the RNA and DNA and what's passed down from generation to generation, meaning kids aren't born a blank slate. They come in with predisposition characteristics, tendencies towards acting angry or acting depressed or acting uh, guilty without even having experienced that. So (laughs) in a way, it's funny that you bring it up. It's kind of jumping the gun on kids and parenting. However, they do come in with a different DNA, and that's what makes for different characteristics. Like I have three mm-hmm. granddaughters who 
they're fraternal twins, and they couldn't be more different from each other. Right. And as a parent, we tend to parent each one differently based on their character traits. Right, but I think I think there is another aspect uh, of their personality, which I believe I always thought was the the most important one, and that is their soul, their soul nature. And I always believe that their soul nature is the primary thing that uh, determines their personality, and that also, uh, of course, your their environment. Uh, being, you know, you and your partner, your husband, your wife, uh, also, uh, you know, is going to have some influence on them. I also believe that the what determines how much of an influence, of course, is depending upon the upbringing, whether it was very traumatic or or, or not, and also, um, you know, how. Some people are more prone to be influenced than others. Some people have a stronger personality, and uh, so they're less influenced by other people in general. But one of the things, that, as we're talking, you know, things are coming to mind and talking about treating uh, uh, your different children differently, the, the thing that came to mind that was really um, significant for me was the firstborn, my son is four years older than my daughter. And, you know, having your first is, is a big deal, you know. It's not as, as, as uh, exciting, if you will. Having a second is having the first. You know, the first experience is always something, you know, that much more special. And, uh, you know, that, that stood out in my mind as something that, you know, was significant. And it, it turned out, you know, some kids like having their um, siblings. My son loved being an only child. <laughs> he was yeah, kind of disappointed when What? Yeah, I, I would still like to address the issue of the soul before we go on to the different Absolutely. personalities, sure. if you sure. don't mind. Sure. Um, no, absolutely. From a Kabbalistic or a spiritual perspective, they believe that we have a soul, okay, which may mean past lives, as well as a soul that comes into the body that has the RNA and DNA. Then we come into a family of like type energy for both the children and the parents to learn the lessons of goodness. Mm-hmm. And that's what I believe our goal here on earth is, is lessons of goodness, meaning mm-hmm. that the energy that the child carries comes into parents who have similar energies, which means they have similar belief systems. However, they may be acted out totally different, and the way they're acted out has a tremendous impact on the child. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's for both to learn their lessons, for our souls to evolve. And the lessons right. are about evolving to goodness, getting rid of right. 
any predetermined negativity, self-doubt, right. lack right. of forgiveness, right. Um, right. guilt. So right. we still carry it, and we have to learn how to free it. Now, right. when you're talking so, about... Right, know, but I, I'm just interrupted. I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I, I want to gear this specifically towards, you know, parenting. So how, right. accept, yeah. accepting everything you said, therefore, what does that mean for a parent when, you know, when they're raising their children? So well, you know, tie that in. Right. Well, what we want for our children, and this was based on questions we have big audience. What do parents really want for their children? They want them to be independent, to be compassionate, to be confident, have resilience, be responsible, honest, trustworthy, resourceful people, be able to solve problems, be free-spirited, and take risks. Now, the reality is... Ideally speaking, yes, not, all, not all parents are like that, though, unfortunately. Exactly. I mean, ideally, they are. Saying this. It's for both to learn. Absolutely. And then what do kids want from parents? They want to be shown respect for their ideas to be taken seriously to their parents to be proud of them, to be consistent, to be able to count on them, to understand them. And kids want their freedom. So the question is, how can parents be supportive? And first and foremost, they have to get in touch with their own thoughts and feelings and the ghosts from the past, meaning perceptions they might have of the way their parents parented and whether they want to follow the way their parents did it or not. And they make decisions early on in childhood as to what kind of parents they're going to be. And Mm -hmm. sometimes if you've had dysfunctional parenting, you'll decide, well, I'm not going to be this way. I'm going to be very uh, attentive to my children and help them with everything. Right. And I'm going to be right. there with them, which actually right. isn't necessarily being a good parent because right. you may become too possessive or, um, you know, overly right. protective, not right. allow kids to make decisions. Right. And so... We have to get in touch with our own thoughts and feelings based on the way the pa- our parents parented us. So one of the first steps is self-aware parenting. Okay. Well, and then, let me just interject here for a second. Uh, I think what you said, you know, clicked off something in my head. And that is, uh-huh. it depends on it depends on what the child needs. Some children need more. Some people, children need less. Some children want to be more independent. And some people, children don't. So we have to, yeah. you know, kind of try to, uh, you know, manage our parenting based on the children as well, and not just, you know, 
do what we're going to do no matter what. You know, we should be responsive and, you know, to their needs as well and kind of try to, you know, change as change, adapt, in other words, to, to the child because, you know, children can be very different. Uh, siblings can be very different from each other. Do I take that right. to as well? Absolutely, that's a good point. We do have to be receptive to the way our child behaves and also learn. I mean, the bottom line is we have to learn how to talk to them, how to listen, how to empathize, how to validate and empathize. Okay, that's the first step in being sensitive to your child's needs. Mm-hmm. It's by mm-hmm. listening, listen, listen, listen. Don't even right. give instructions. Don't have expectations. Yeah. Yeah. From your own personal experience, for instance, in my personal experience, I found that it's important to, you know, let the kids do things. You know, you know, with your supervision, watch them, you know, maybe do something around the house, cook, clean, whatever it is, so that they feel they're capable and not. You know, some parents take over and they want to do it perfectly and they don't have the patience for the children to watch the kids, flub, you know, uh, you know, uh, flub it a little. But I think it's very important to let the kid do it and then feel com- confident, hey, I could do this. You know, even though it may be easier or faster for the parent to do it themselves, they'll let the kid experiment and help out and even take over if they can and have them feel that you believe in them enough to let them do it and then have that satisfaction. Hey, you know, look what I did, you know. And I think some, I, I think some parents just, you know, don't, don't allow their children to explore and, you know, and to get involved enough. Well, well, what about you? Yes. Parents who are too overprotective actually do damage to kids because They don't learn how to be responsible for themselves. They don't learn cleanliness or organization. And, and, you know, not only that, but it's these are exercises you can do that you can make do out of fun, do them together. Clean the dishes off the table while you're talking. (laughs) Uh, Take turns putting the dishes in the dishwasher. I mean, when my son was nine years old, he complained about not having a particular shirt washed. Of course, it was Mm -hmm. because he didn't throw it down the chute. However, Mm -hmm. after he complained, I said to him, you know what? From now on, you can do your own laundry. And I showed him how to Mm -hmm. use the washing machine. Mm -hmm. And my mother thought that was the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Then when he was around 16 or 17 and he's still doing his own laundry, my mother said, that's not so bad. He's learning responsibility. (laughs) Right. Well, let me put it this way. My son went to college 30 minutes from the house, sleepaway college, Uh but every Wednesday he brought his his laundry home for his mother to do. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> right. And neither one of them had a problem with that. 
<laughs> I didn't get involved. <laughs> They're happy. Yeah. And I was happy. <laughs> wow. But that's interesting. Some kids don't want to, you know, don't want to bother. But uh, you, you know, know that's good. The the other piece is that parents overprotect their children and don't let them experience the consequences of their actions. Ah, I mean, yes. That's they're big. always standing up to their children. And I mean, even as far as not doing well in school, okay, they'll sit with yeah. the child. I mean, yes, if the child absolutely needs help. Absolutely, you want to support them. But constantly staying on top of them to do well, to um, achieve, to get high grades, they're not letting their children <coughs> reap the consequences of their own actions, such as not yes. studying for tests. And ideally, yes. if they let them get those consequences early on, okay, they can handle bigger things. And, yes. and, you know, children learn for themselves if they flunk a test, hopefully they'll yes. study again. You know? Yes, and, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I remember telling my kid once, you know, if you don't study, your life is going to be affected a hell of a lot more than mine. <laughs> So, right. You know, right. like don't don't threaten me. You're not going to do your homework. You're the one who's going to suffer from it, not me. It's hard for a lot of parents exactly. to get that. I don't like staying on top of kids for things like. I couldn't agree with you more. They gotta they gotta want to do it, you know, and they it gotta have the fire in the belly. They think they're right. doing it for you. Right. They're doing you a favor. It's their life. Right. Well, my daughter once said to me, she was around 16, and she said, you know, Mom, I used to think there was something wrong with me. My friend's parents used to offer them big gifts if they got really good grades, but you didn't for me. And I used to think there was something wrong with me. And I said, that's because I wanted you to get grades for you, not yes. for me or for reward. I agree. And I truly believe that. It gives them the motivation to do for themselves. And both Absolutely. of my children are very high achievers today. And yeah. it wasn't from me pushing them, I'll tell you that. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I, I told my son, he was a good student, but I don't know. He wasn't that ambitious about going to college, but... I said, well, all I'm going to ask is one thing for you. Get your four-year degree because, you know, you're a good student anyway and there's no reason you shouldn't. And after that, I said, do whatever you want. And he got his four-year degree. He did pretty good. Not fabulous, but pretty good. And then he worked for a year in some dead-end job. I never said a word. But he realized that this was not the way he wanted to spend his life. And he got right. the fire, and he went back to school, and he got his MBA, and you know, he, you know, he did very well. But it was, and he was, he got his MBA. He got very, very high marks because he really worked very hard. He got into a big A mm-hmm. accounting firm on his own, completely. He was driving it, not me. 
you know, he he it's realized after a year of of just you know doing not you know not doing much that boy this is the life he wanted, and you know he he it's funny because he used to set up he worked in this uh, in this business conference center he used to set up the trips for the for the businesses and like you know. Um, uh, Goldman Sachs and whatever would go coming in and he'd set up the transportation. He says, I want to be the guy on the train <laughs> in the car from Goldman Sachs, not the guy setting it up. Mm-hmm. And eventually that's what happened, you know, but he had a, you know, he had, he had to do the work for it. But it's right. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be them. You can't, and, and they, people shouldn't feel they're doing it for you. And the other thing that, that bugged me about parents making kids take a certain profession because it was their profession. If a guy or exactly, a, you know, usually the the father was a lawyer or a successful doctor, making the kid do that, even if they didn't like it. And I've seen some bad results from those kinds. They they're they're you they're individuals. They're not you, and they have to do what they like. But uh, that could be a problem as well. I think. Well, you know, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Parents, from a professional standpoint, um, parents want you to be like them, and not only that, we take over very often our parents, our own parents' demeanor, their role modeling, their input, their values, and this is part of being an aware parent to be. Become your own person, meaning mm. notice the beliefs you formulated based on your parents. Notice the way you're parenting your children. When I specialized with parents and children or families, I used to have mothers coming in and say, I vowed I would never use a voice on my kids like my mother did on me. However, when I get angry, it's like my mother's voice coming out of me. Right. And so one of the major steps is to become your own parent. Okay? Mm. Now, another step is to develop an effective parenting state of mind. Let go of expectations of uh, judgments and criticisms of your children. Mm -hmm. You know, this goes into what you were saying, Paul. Let them be who they are. Accept Mm -hmm. them for who they are. Cherish them for who they are. And, you know, they're okay just the way they are. Mm -hmm. And then the other point is to guide from love, not power. When I was teaching the parent effectiveness class, I was teaching listening skills, validating and emphasizing. And half the class came in the next day and found very positive results. The other half didn't. I said, well, mm-hmm. what, what happened? Well, my kids didn't do what I wanted them to do. But that wasn't the lesson. The lesson was to listen, validate, and empathize and not have any expectations of an outcome. Okay? And this is where the important communication skills come in. Listening Mm -hmm. and, 
of what they're saying. And that way, and then validate. In other words, it makes sense to me that you might feel this way because, and then empathize, try to help them identify a feeling. And that goes so far that usually when you help them identify a feeling, they will come up with their own solution. And that's what you have to have faith in. Just to to personalize this a little, but uh, in an instructive way. Now, we're getting on five minutes, but I believe I could go over a bit. Uh, But if it cuts off, you know, my apologies. But I think we're going to have an extra... I'm sorry? Yeah, I don't have that much time to go over, unfortunately. Okay, you want us to... Stop on time. Okay, so, no problem. Okay, we Tony may go over a minute or two. All right, so what I want okay, to say is, that, you know, what I think, I'll go first, and then you could go quickly. What is the, the best thing I think I did with my kids and the worst thing? And the best thing I think I did with my kids is to teach them just to be good people, you know? Uh, just, you know, be nice. Try to help people if you can and be a decent human being. Nothing more complicated than that. And I think the worst thing I did was, you know, it's just from my own perfectionism, if you will, and trying to make things just so. And I didn't realize that had a negative effect on them. They took it as criticism when it wasn't really. It was just me being anal and me being me. But, you know, it still had the same effect. Even Even if my intention was innocent, it doesn't really matter. The effect was the same. And what would you say would be the... Well, for me, the worst thing was before I learned about effective human being, if you will, I had a temper, and I used to lash out very quickly. And then, of course, I learned how to control my temper. And the best thing I think I did is allow my kids to be who they are, and they turned into incredible human beings, each very different, very different from my husband and my ex-husband and I, and also very different from each other, and very powerful people in their own way. Right. How do they get along? Do they always get along? And I'm happy with the way they're parenting their kids. Did they get along with each other growing up? They my kids, yes, they did. And I, I, oh. this probably is a, a, um, a, a title or a topic for another talk is yeah. raising That's kids through divorce. Because when yeah. we got wow. divorced, my kids actually got a lot closer. Wow. And they almost they? took care of each They were nine and How 12. Old? Nine and 13. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When we got divorced, they were five and nine. Who was older? But this is for another topic. Because otherwise we're going to go way over. But children through divorce. But, you know, even there, uh, another aspect of effective parenting is hopefully being a good role model. Being yes, motivated to, to learn well, these things, 
being a good person, which translates yeah. into being a good parent. And right, right. I really learned to listen more than anything else. Listen, right. validate, and empathize. Right. Right. Well, it's true. Being The role model part is important. You know, they say if you have a good relationship with your with your spouse or, or you know, then or partner, they're gonna they're gonna have it as well. Okay, we have ninety seconds, so I guess that'll have to do it for today. We're talking about raising children with Penny Cohen, and you can find out more about Penny at pennycohen.com. And if you want to find out more about me, Paul Morris, your host, go to depressivesanonymous.org. Depressives. Anonymous.org. And uh, thank you, Penny, for coming on. Thank the time you, always uh, flashes by quickly, and uh, we'll talk and discuss the uh, next show. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, thank, thank, you. You for, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week at the same time. Take care now. Bye, Penny. <laughs>